Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaos. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again in another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I am your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we have returned to Masks of Neuralothotep in the England chapter, and we are set for a very exciting episode. So, with uh, no further ado, introductions to my right. This is Lonnie. I'm playing Lawrence Edward Oliver Forsyth, and, uh, well, I've been to church today, so... Well, you get nice. I mean, it's not the normal type of church you'd go to, but you know. I mean, they're practically papists, but we'll we'll deal with it. Wow! And uh, to to Mr. Forsythe's right. I'm Morgan. I play Lillian Lane, and I got my hands a little dirty last episode, and you know, buried a body. Yeah, you know, funny thing about that body. A little strange. It was uh, at, at the end of the table. This is Jake. I'm playing Jack Doyle, and I will certainly not be doing anything illegal today. We'll see about that. To uh, to Jack's right. Hey, everybody. This is James. I'll be playing Dr. Sigmund Tartenbach, and his mind is abuzz with medical possibilities. <laughs> so it should be to the doctor's right. This is Tiffany, and I play Maeve O'Shea and Full of Doubt. Last but most certainly not least... Uh, this is Alex. We'll be playing Simone Guanger. And according to an uh, investigator who remained unnamed, the secret ingredient is possibly crime. I think there's no possibility in that possibility, but we'll see. So we'll raise the curtain tonight on the Waldorf Astoria. And so our investigators had an opportunity last game to get together and hash out some of the clues and some of the ideas that they have. And Sigmund, you've returned to uh, the hotel and it's been a couple of hours now since you've left. You've managed to get something to eat. You've managed to meet with your compatriots. But your concern has never drifted very far from Miss O'Shea. And you know that, at least from what Lillian said, she came in pretty late last night. And you managed to show her the, the trunk you'd gotten and try to lift her spirits, but you're not really sure if it's worked. And so you've come back... And she's on your mind. I go up to her room. Light tap on the door. What time is it? Am I still sleeping? Mm, it's probably been a couple of hours since the investigator, so your fellow investigators have left. So you've probably managed to nod back off for another hour or so. And by this time, you'd be in that kind of light napping afternoon haze sort of phase. Well, I'll get up and straighten out my clothes because, you know... I slept in them and uh, opened the door. It is good to see you uh, up and among the living, Liebchen. Uh, barely. Well, still, you are on this side of the soil, and therefore, it is a good day. How are you feeling? Um, probably like I should eat. I agree. I've already had lunch, but uh, I'd be happy to accompany you. Let me get cleaned up. 
Give me a minute. Take your time. He, out of politeness, steps out into the hallway. I will uh, shut the door and put on some clean clothes and probably brush my hair. And Just going through like the five or so minutes of perfunctory requirements to put yourself back together, you realize everything your body's been through in the past 24 hours. It's tough to not be exhausted. The nap and the sleep has helped as best it can, but one of these days soon, you're going to need like a long bath to try to just recuperate. Yeah. But you get set and ready to go. I will uh, come back out and uh, go with the doctor down to the lobby or the cafeteria, whatever they have. They probably have like a dining room or whatever. Yeah, I accompany her there. There's a big formal dining room there. Staff is ready at a moment's notice to provide you with comfortable seats, silverware, water, and then whatever your hearts desire in the libations or food. I'll probably just have something light. You guys, you get some food sorted, but... I just have a drink. We should give some thought to the suggestion I made as to our cover story. I mean, it sounds like a good cover story. Just don't ask me to sing today. Not today, of course not. But I have been giving it some thought, and perhaps it would be good for you to do something other than obsess over your books. Not that I am saying obsession over books is a bad thing. I did it myself in medical school. I still do it now. But you do need other outlets. And I have heard you have a beautiful voice. So perhaps we put that to good work. Hmm? Yeah, potentially. I need to get back to the society to see if anything you said about my not father is true. Not father. I like that term. Yeah. As certain of that as I have been about anything else that I have ever done in the medical field. I'm telling you, from what I examined, he did not even have a belly button. Can you imagine not having a belly button? Look, I have one. You, I mean, but, uh, sorry. Um, but, yeah, he didn't have one. It was smooth. Oh, also, I need to get this, and I hold up my stone, put on a necklace so that I always know when it's trying to tell me something. Hmm. Well, I think perhaps then you should finish your food and we should go find a jeweler. Yeah? Yeah, we can do that on the way to yeah. the society. We have a plan. I will leave you guys there momentarily. So we'll say that you're wrapping up food and then you're going to be gathering some items then heading back to the society? Yes. Okay. Sigmund, you're with her? Absolutely. Excellent. Miss Lane, you and Lawrence returned as well. As you're passing through the uh, lobby, the gentleman at the front desk waves you down. Oh, Miss Lane. I turn and look at him and, yes, um, what can I do for you? I'm so sorry. Uh, you have, I have a message for you here. Fantastic. Um, I, I take the piece of paper. Um, and what does it say? It's a 
It's a folded in a note. You'd have to open it. But once you open it, I would be pleased to meet your acquaintance. Please call at any time. And it's signed Edward Gavigan. Oh. Oh. All right. Mr. Forsythe, are you still with me? Are you, Or did you already head up to the room? I'm still with you. I look over at Mr. Forsythe. Um, so I've got a message here directly from Mr. Gavigan about setting up a, a meeting with him. Would you care to uh, escort me to that if I set up a luncheon? It'll be my pleasure. <laughs> I will call them and see if we can set up a lunch meeting for tomorrow or the day after. I turn back to the front desk. Um, sir, um, may I use your telephone to make a call? Of course. Where shall I ring I slide the piece of paper over to him. Could you ring that number right there, please? Of course. He taps on the device and then, uh, after a few moments, hands it back to you. There you are. Thank you so much. I hold the phone cradle up to my ear. It rings for a few moments. You hear a young man's voice, somewhat familiar, pick up. Penny Foundation? Hello, um, good afternoon. This is Lillian Lane. I had gotten a, I had received a message from Mr. Gavigan about um, calling to set up a, a meeting with him. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, what, one moment. You hear some movement, and then after a few moments, you hear a different male voice, a little bit older, pick up the phone. Yes, Miss Lane. Yes? This is Thomas Kennery, Mr. Gavigan's personal secretary. Uh, I was wondering, uh, after... After I'd heard that you'd stopped into the foundation recently, um, I'd spoken with Mr. Gavigan, and he'd expressed some keen interest in perhaps uh, setting a meeting and uh, inquiring as to what you might be interested in in, uh, as far as the foundation's work go. That would be wonderful. Um, Would he be available for a lunch meeting either tomorrow or the day after? Uh, well, I suppose that all depends. Mr. Gavigan is, of course, uh, fairly busy with all of the situations going on. All of the foundation's work, of course. Of course. So it's very difficult for him to get away during the day uh, from the office. So if you'd like, his schedule is open. If you would like to select a time, you could stop down and we'd be happy to host you here. My schedule is fairly busy just because of the limited time I am I am in town. Do you mind if I get back to you? Of course. I mean, I can let Mr. Gavigan know that um, you just haven't decided when you'll be available. Yes, and I appreciate him um, being willing to meet. Of course, I'm, I'm very interested to talk about the, um, the Foundation's work. I'm not sure how um, formal the meeting needs to be. Sure. But um, we host many people here, and his office is more than comfortable enough. Fantastic. I will um, get back to you shortly. If not today, definitely bright and early tomorrow morning. Wonderful. I look forward to it. All right. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. And I hand the phone back to the gentleman at the front desk. Thank you. You're welcome. They hang up the receiver. I look over at Mr. Forsyth. So he wants to meet directly in his office. I don't think we're going to be able to get around meeting in a public place with him. I, I don't want to push that. I think I need to, um, I'm not sure how to, I don't think I'm going to be able to get a hold of Simone. We might want to talk to Jack about that and get his thoughts. 
far be it for me to tell you about yourself, but aren't you the one coming up with the possible money? Isn't isn't he supposed to be chasing after you? I would think that you should be able to set the terms of whatever meeting he wants. If he wants a meeting. Right. That they're looking for donations. I agree with that. I just don't want to... There's a time to push and there's definitely a time to not. And the fact that... I lower my voice as I'm walking with him. You know, the fact that Jack was already... Jack and you were already um, tailed after leaving the club. Um, I just, I, I want to be very careful how we proceed with, it seems like there's a lot of groups involved. If you suspect danger, then the last place you want to go is his office. If he doesn't suspect you of being a problem, he wants your money. Make him come get your money. Right. I agree. Let me think on it and then we'll... I'll figure out what what we should do. I seem a little unsure. I there's been a lot going on, so my voice seems a little unsure just between the incidents at the states, things that have gone on on the ship. You know, it's well, don't go showing weakness now. Oh. Uh, you're a tough bird. You know what you're doing. Yeah, I I totally agree with you, Mr. Forsythe. That they, they in my experience, if somebody wants money, they will do what they need to do to to procure that exactly and that means that they will meet you in a public place of your chime and choosing i will um give them a ring tomorrow morning again and be a little bit more assertive this time sounds good all right so we will pick back up then with um one one quick note here jack i know that you have something planned later for the day um is there anything you're specifically doing during the day until you get to that portion I'm going to go, uh, I guess the best way of saying it is I'm going to go case a couple places. Okay. Like where? I want to, I want to check out the outskirts of the Petri Museum. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you've been there. Yeah, I know. I, you know I've been in there, but I want to see like more of the uh, outside of it, around the back, that kind of thing. Sure. Take some notes. Sure. And where else? I kind of want to go down the docks and uh, see this boat, that, uh, the ship that uh, Simone was talking about. So really quick then, what what I can just sum- summarize for you is the, the Petri Museum it busts up against the, the University, the, the College of London, right? Mm-hmm. It's not, I, I mean, it's tucked away basically back in some buildings. And you've been there you've seen the warehouse it doesn't really have alley access per se that said it doesn't look like a terribly secure building just looking at it from your detective's eyes if you had to work it as um, you know in the mind of a criminal uh, it would be fairly simple for you to probably get one of those windows open and go from there I, I didn't think it would look too difficult when I was in there, but I like to make sure. Okay. And then as far as the ship goes, I guess what I'd want to know is how close are you going to get to that area of Limehouse as far as the docks go? Uh, and then how much are you willing to risk to get better views? I don't want to put them too much on edge, so I just want to kind of get an idea of the uh, layout and the area. 
I mean, I'm sure Simone's sure. got a better one, but it's always nice for that I have some eyes on it. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the Ivory Wind is there. It's in port, um, and you can see it from basically the street, but you're pretty far away, and it's also this area of the the docks has, you know, fencing and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. it's not like you can just simply walk right in there. So you view, you can get an eyeball on it and know where it's at and know which dock it, it's in. But as far as what's going on specifically, that's a little difficult. At least something. I just like to have a little eyes on it. But that's not too, that's just pretty much all I'm doing today. I'm not getting too uh, into anything yet. We'll move camera to the society, as it were, and pick up with the doctor and Maeve inside the spiritualist society so we were able to stop though and get my stone put on a necklace yep absolutely very simple not difficult to do at all anything from a very basic setting to something more glamorous i'm not sure specifically what she would go for no just something plain just basically to keep it so it's available yep you have it on a necklace now cool all right, to the society. Oh, do I see Sir Walters? His personal assistant tells you that the Lord is out right now. He's calling on um, another patron. Okay, well, I'm going to ask him, do you know who Edward is? Excuse me, ma'am. Edward who? I don't know his last name, but I know that he knew uh, Neil O'Shea. Hmm. Possibly a tall, balding man. You see Henry, like, put his hands to his chin and, and think back. One moment, Mr. O'Shea, let me get one of the, the record books. Um, you see this, you know, one of Lord Walter's staff members come back after a few minutes with a another book. This looks more like a, well, it looks more like a university textbook. And you see in that book, you see a lot of written names and signatures. It looks like one of the original signing books. And he begins opening and going through the pages. Now, (laughs) Edward, so uh, would he... You said he would have been uh, here when when your father was here, yes? Yes. Uh, Possibly had an argument with him. Argument? Well... (laughs) The holes of this uh, society have heard many arguments, you understand. Many. But uh, quite a few of them, if my ears uh, still ring with uh, memory of them, quite a few of them may have involved your father. I, I do beg your pardon, of course, but your father was a very, um, he's a very determined man. Yes, he was stubborn to a fault. Hmm. Well... He goes and flips a few more pages. Now, this is the class that your father came in on. 1920. He goes through and goes down name, and he stops near the bottom of the page. There he is. There's his signature. You see your father's handwriting. You see his print version and then his script version of his name. Mm-hmm. And then he flips a page back. The only Edward we have is from the class previous, so right there. 
he points down in the book. And in perfect, elegant English script, you see the name Edward Gavigan. You gotta be kidding me. Oh, hmm. yes. I, I do remember a few of their uh, discussions. Many late nights. Yeah, what... I guess I don't understand what they would be discussing. Oh, uh, matters of um, spiritualism, um, the occult um, practices of the of, well of the society, methods. Much like um, he he points to Sigmund. Much like your um, uh, your, your friend here, a man of of, of, of medicine. I'm sure that uh, colleagues uh, he may have may uh, have disagreements or um, methods, yes? Absolutely all the time. There you have it. This is the same Gavigan that is part of the Penhue Foundation, correct? See Henry slowly nod. Director, yes, he uh, left the society... Some years before, before the last uh, group, he had grown a little tired of Lord Walter's practices and had grown interested in other things. Mm-hmm. He began to mentor under Sir Aubrey Penhew, and smart student, uh, it's done him well. Okay, thank you. Mm, of course. He takes the book and closes it up. I will head to the library. Look, it's the crashing couch. You were here just a few a few hours ago. Yeah, as I'm already rubbing my temples. Ugh. Staff do ask if you'd like something to drink, coffee, tea, etc. Tea, please. And for you, Doctor? Coffee for me, please. Danke. Mm. So, what are we after, Miss O'Shea? First and foremost, the symbols that I was telling you about. If there's even anything to find in here. And if I don't really find any links to that, then I'm basically going to see if there's anything that talks about... Even though I'm pretty sure at this point there's nothing here that's going to talk about what ritual they performed because pretty sure he got it from Gavigan which is a whole nother thing but otherwise I'm gonna see what other spells or mystical arts I can pick up from here okay so that would be just kind of broad brush stroke would be a library use role to search Mike, while she's spending time in the library, I might as well do the same. I'm specifically looking for books and references to duplication, homunculi, simicarillium, sure, the like, and mm-hmm. and spiritual, you know, uh, reembodiment, that kind of a thing. I'm looking for s- stuff like that. Yeah, go ahead and make me a library use roll. Okey doke. 83 out of 89. All righty. So barely a success. 80 over 46. I find nothing. No, you, you find things, James, or I should say ah. you search for things. Uh, as as all great um, time spent in the library, much of it is spent searching. 
over, say, the next hour or two, Miss O'Shea, you go through and give a rough overlook of a lot of the subject matter that's here. And while much of it is interesting, if you were, say, in the first year of occult studies or religious studies, um, most of this is a little remedial at your level okay. of, of occult knowledge. That's not to say that there aren't pieces here that might lead you places, but they lead you places that aren't here to be found. Okay. Well, I guess I will collect some of the leads or, you know, some of the references of other books, especially on those two symbols. Okay. So given the pages as references you have in your handouts, are you talking about picture two and picture three? Or are you talking about like how no, nobody else knows what we're talking about? Cause there's <laughs> secret more. Yeah. The second one. Okay, so the second one specifically as far as the text goes here from your father's draft seems to be part of the ritual working itself. And that's creating a portal or gate that allows the the translocation of uh, someone's spirit from the physical realm to beyond the veil. Okay. And that this circle, and as you kind of stare into it, a little deeper, you realize where the position points are in relation to where the four of you stood last night. Okay. Like you can pick it out now in your head. Do I also think that it is only good for that ritual or that it can be applied to other things? Mm, well, I mean, as a theorist, one would argue likely that it could be applied to other um, mystical arts but you would really probably have to study the book or find reference to it other places which you unfortunately have not been able to find here right okay um do I find anything in reference to the symbol in the other book I had I had mentioned to you there isn't a reference to there isn't a reference to any of that here. The only other time you've seen that symbol specifically uh, has been in Swift's journal. Okay. Damn it. If I'm above all of this, then I got the information I needed. I gotta find Doyle. So say we all. I know. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, after your couple hours here and uh, Sigmund's seemingly... Uh, he's 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 pouring through books, uh, but he doesn't seem to be have, have located what he's what he's looking for. What are you looking for? I'm curious about what happened with your not father, and I'm I'm knowing that there's I'm feeling that there's something here that we could find, but I'm not finding the right book. Mm. Oh well, did I try? Can I see if they have anything? Or do I doubt it, considering the books that I've seen? You think that it's probably more likely to be material access, like, within the tomes you have, rather than anything here? Yeah. I most likely have something in reference to one of the books that I have already. We're not going to find it here. A lot of this stuff I already know, to be fair. I was just hoping... Hmm. That I could find finding. something super secret or something super old that maybe they have here that I didn't know. 
<laughs> Not a problem. We will go. Come on. Okay. So we will, um, you guys headed back to the hotel? Yeah, I need to tell Doyle about Gavigan. There's literally no time like the present because he's probably coming back from his two uh, investigating scenes. And uh, yeah, we'll say that uh, the three of you are joined somewhere in the hotel rooms uh, shortly thereafter. Did you two have a productive day? Yes and no. That sounds about right. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know how much they told you about what happened at the house that we went to with the ritual. The only thing I know is that at some point somebody buried a body. Supposedly that was not my father. Looked like my father, but not my father. I don't know how I feel about that yet, so I'm not going to talk about it. However... So it was imposter? Doc makes the so-so gesture with his hand. I will explain later. Okay. I mean, I've heard stories about these homunculi, like you mold them out of clay and they become people, but that's not what happened here. What? Anyways, my point is... So, remember when I told you, um, when I, like, looked into the information about the Black Pharaoh? Yeah. And the article about Montgomery Crompton and how he started a fire just to get this, uh, mask, this Egyptian mask? Mm Mm-hmm. And it was at a school with kids, and somehow he supposedly died in 1811, but this happened in 1853, so he should have been long dead or whatever. And we couldn't figure right. out how he was alive again. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the ritual that was performed was one that he somehow figured out a way to project himself into an, the astral plane or world, the, the, the dreaming world, sort of. And he could get he could basically become physical again by either creating a body or making somebody a host to him. Which I saw evidence of that when we went to go visit Walmsley. His eyes changed and he basically became possessed. So anyways, we ended up taking care of Crompton that night as well. That's how we found my not father was we basically cast out uh, Crompton's spirit. Um, who? What's even more interesting is who my father got this ritual from. This is an assumption. I'm pretty sure I know that that's who he got him from because all the books in the society are not on that level so who he got the spell from was none other than Gavigan so your father and uh, Gavigan are connected they were uh, to get that spell now there's reference in my father's journal that he disagreed with whatever 
Gavigan was doing, so I don't know if it's some of the shady stuff he was already doing with the Penhue Foundation, or what. So, I think that the only reason that they were connected is because Gavigan used to belong to the Spiritualist Society until he started talking to Aubrey Penhue. Probably because... Gavigan outgrew that library as well. Mm-hmm. And I also believe that they're all part of the Black Pharaoh cult stuff. Not my father, but Gavigan and Penhue and that whole thing. Kind of smells like the bloody tug incident we had. Right. Well, um, that's not uh, outrageous theory that seems to fall into place a little bit well if they're dealing in the things that we think they're dealing in or things that yeah I mean and if they're getting things out of Egypt because that's uh, my father also made reference to that that is where Crompton made shortcuts was bringing some of that stuff. Like he mentioned that bringing the ritual or parts of it from Egypt. So mm-hmm. there, there's that. So I, I mean, I don't think that my father was desperate to help my mother, but I can't see him willingly going along with things that could potentially hurt other people. Like, I don't right. think that he was totally okay with, like, Montgomery Crompton burning down a school full of children to get some mask. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah. I think yeah. he just wanted the spell and didn't care outside of that, if that makes sense. So God only knows how much mm-hmm. he paid. God only knows, you know, what he owes them or owed them or what he had to do but there's that yeah so there's the yes and no to our day <laughs> so yeah I, yeah so you've that pretty much wraps up a yes or no day <laughs> i didn't find the information i needed but i found information that we all were kind of looking for i suppose well then it's any if, if you find any useful information then it's not a wasted day So as the day turns a little dimmer, Jack, you're going to set out for a certain location? Yeah, I believe we're going to uh, the the ship tonight. Excellent. So where are you and Mr. Granger planning on uh, meeting? So the location I would have given Jack would have been whatever the most like visible storefront is close to the scaffolding that I parked at last night. Okay. And Jack, you said you're bringing something? Yeah, bring the uh, case that uh, Simone had given me. The des- the Desperado briefcase? What's the other briefcase? Yeah. So I have the duffel, but that's got like my other stuff in it. So you meet at the storefront. We'll say that it's 10 p.m. well into the evening. Once I see Jack from my position, I'll um, kind of tap on the, the piping and wood a bit, get his attention, offer, him an, offer my hand up where I'm kind of sitting. All right, so uh, do you have a plan? Uh, I suppose there are a couple of options. Uh, 
I'll hand him the binoculars I was holding on to. I'll point out. Now, you said that there were two sentries last I saw. Are the same two guys out here? Well, let's see. There are currently three men. Okay. Who seem to be patrolling the grounds a bit. So are they are they patrolling the ship or the dock or both? Both. Okay. What is the ship situation? I mean, I, I would want to. I probably would have been watching them like the whole time, waiting. Sure. Yeah. So this is this is what you'd have the lowdown you'd have on them. So basically, in your time after it has after the sun has gone down, mm-hmm. most of the workers have gone home from the warehouse, but several of these. Um, Lascars, these sailors, are uh, have remained, and they seem to just carefully watch over the grounds outside. There's one that's near the ship, and then you see the one that goes between the warehouse building itself and the ship. So there's only one on board? It seems that way, but you also don't know if there's any more of them inside the berth itself, like below deck. Sure. So is the one that's up there, is he like hanging out forward or stern? Like which uh, He moves quite a bit, actually. Okay. He goes between checking rigging or walking Excellent. backwards forth. And the one on the dock closest to the ship, what do they appear to be doing? Uh, they generally watch over the fencing area. And then they also seem to be, at the same time... Um, you know, they might occasionally move a crate into a different position because they're preparing to. It looks like what they're doing is they're preparing next day's the next day's onboarding. Sure, so they're making piles, basically. Okay, and I'm guessing the one that's between the dock and the warehouse is more more work, less sentry. Yeah, probably. Okay, poor chap. I'll point out toward the ship, holding out the holding out two fingers. There was at least uh, one sentry guarding the ship itself, and there was another watching the dock. I believe I can probably get uh, get on board and draw the attention of the one uh, patrolling the deck itself, but uh, if I am doing that, I cannot uh, really help you with uh, getting by our uh, doorman. I suppose that depends on what our plan is. The best we can assume to do uh, would be to get on board and uh, perhaps find where they have uh, placed the Benhue crates. I'm supposing you want to examine at least one of them. Yeah, ideally I'd like to be able to bust one open or at least crack it open. Sorry. I will kind of, I will flip open the briefcase that you brought where there's a crowbar and a handsaw and a couple other things. I have my own supplies. Um, this is so that we can uh, both make use of our hands. Um, I'll shut the case and kind of push it back to you um, after pulling like a box of shells out from the side pocket and kind of putting it in my jacket. So my plan would be to, uh, I can probably enter via the water and climb up on the rigging and draw away the one that is on board once you can be on deck. Can you swim? Yeah, I can swim. We'll look down at the river. <laughs> How, uh, how how does it look down there? It's dark. The Thames is very dark in February. Uh, it's pretty much dark any month. It's also very cold. You're not super excited about getting into the Thames. No, but I've been thinking about it for a while, so we will have to make sure that uh, any swimming is kept to uh, as short as time as possible. 
that is as far as I have come up with so far, unless uh, you have any other plans. The only point of entry, eh, to, I'll point basically to the ramp and then the water, because I don't really know that there are any others. No, not really. Unless you want to hop in that uh, crane over there, and then we can pull you over, and hopefully no, we don't uh, spot you. Yeah, I don't think that's a good idea. What do you think about getting in there? If I uh, make a distraction for you. It is not me that I am worried about. What am I looking for? We just want to know what's in those crates. You've seen the crates, so you have a better idea of what we're looking at, too. I should be able to locate them. There was uh, one in particular that was uh, that was very large. I would remember the shape if I saw it again. There were quite a few, but you just want me to uh, catalog what I can find? Yeah, in general. Just get an idea. That sounds like a stealth roll to me. Yeah, I will stand up and crack my knuckles, stretch a bit. I will hand Jack my overcoat and my hat. (laughs) (laughs) And I will start making my way toward the, the route that I had planned to like outflank whoever's on deck and the person on the pier. And then I was going to slip into the water as close to the boat as possible to minimize my swim time. (laughs) 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 And then climb up the rigging. All right. So I'm not going to force you into a swim roll because you're not doing anything difficult per se. Um, But I think a stealth roll for sure. Okay, here we go. I mean, slipping into the Thames isn't isn't hard. That is a 60 over 75. I think that's a success. Okay. You slip into the water and begin moving towards the boat. I'm probably holding my breath the entire time. <laughs> it's actually very difficult for you to hold your breath because Still. it's so cold. What it reminds you of is escaping. Even though those waters were warm, there was still a shock to being in the water. In fact, it's a mental trauma. It's going to hurt for a while. <laughs> but you get up alongside the boat. You can feel the outer hull of the ivory wind on your hand. Um, oh, now you, you'll have to try to get up. Sure. Since I couldn't see, I probably would have tried to time it so that me heading to this end of the ship was obviously counter to the patrol. Yep. To give myself a little bit of time. So is it a climb roll? It is a climb roll. I will make a climb roll. That is a failure. Okay. So I would like to push my roll. How would you like to do that? Um, so if I'm like trying to find my uh, handhold on this rope and my hands are shaking and shivering and I'm probably panicking a bit, maybe the handholds weren't quite as you know easy to, to get onto as I thought. But I will use my... The the side of the ship, is it like steel? Is there wood paneling? Is there... I mean, there's like obvious like bolt heads. Basically, I'm going to just try to to maneuver so that I can get one of my uh, lineman's boots up against one of them to give myself a little bit of like upward leverage to grab onto some higher rigging. Fair enough. That's a 46 over 49. You dig deep and you... Reach up, and what you find is a miraculous handhold. It's there for only a moment because of the rise of the ship, and you use it to get leverage for your boots, and you climb up the side of the ship. I'm definitely going to pause kind of at the lip 
and just hang there for, for a second. That's okay. Roll stealth. That is a hard success. 17 over 75. You hear boots up and down the deck of the ship. You hear them get closer and closer. And they stop. Whoever it is has to be almost on top of you. And they turn and you hear a voice. You hear someone say, Go check the warehouse front of rum now. And you hear a grumble from whoever is above you. And then the boots move away. I will poke my eyes up at foot level and see what I can see. Now you see a man who is on board the ship has moved, has moved off the ship and back onto uh, the warehouse grounds. You don't see anybody right now on the ship. And I will take that opportunity to get the rest of my body up over the rail and onto the deck and low. And I look for the hold entrance. Um, I was right over there to the right. Yep. I will do my best to slink my way over there and down. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you, you have cover of darkness at this point. You have a, you have no immediate, um, anybody visually that can make you at this point. Uh, so you get to the door of, of the uh, lower deck. Is it shut? It is. Okay. Is it just like a door or? Yeah, it looks like just like a door, like a, it's just like a, a simple door that you could open. Almost actually, now that you look at it here with the limited light, you see that it's just a swing door, really. Okay. Um, then I will swing it inward with my body and move into a spot where I can kind of wait for it to slow it down if I have to with my hand to keep it from squeaking too much. And then I just listen for movement inside the ship once I can kind of close out the outer world a bit. Sure. You listen for a second and you can hear somebody relatively close by and uh, it it's a heavy set voice that's a husky voice for sure. So given that the all the cargo has to pass through this area, right, or it gets lowered in? Uh, it looks like it yeah, either gets carried down or lowered. You can see that they're you you would have passed the entrance of, of the, the hold that they would have dropped they would crane stuff in. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Then I will eyeball well, there's no light in here, right? There is a light coming from down uh, this short hallway. Looks like it's uh, from a room to the left. I will take out my torch. I'll block most of the light from it just so I can get a bead on foot traffic. Where do they go? And I'm going to head in that direction, like uh, ideally toward the cargo. You can see not too far from here, down this hallway, there's a stairway that goes, basically a short stairway that goes down and then it curves around in and itself it looks like it goes down lower into the vessel you're gonna have to pass that door with the light on though hmm. okay i understand and it's not even a, a it's more of a door it's not even a door it's a doorway it's a doorway it's an open doorway you bet all right i'm guessing maybe galley or quarters so i will get closer to the doorway that the light i'm guessing is just like spilling out yeah. of, like a big old beacon of gotcha and that you said I hear someone in there? Yeah. It's pretty clear that's where it's coming from. Uh yeah, I'll poke I'll poke an eye around. Um, you see a kind of a bulky, bearded Caucasoid. Uh, he's wearing a thick turtleneck, and he's got a glass of something that's empty in front of him. You see there's a bottle on the table. Is it rum? It looks like it. 
Is it the rest of the realm? <laughs> it is, in fact, the rest of the realm. He does not be paying, paying you any attention or that area any attention. He's more staring into the bottle like, why is this empty? Why hast thou forsaken me? And he picks up and begins rolling this strange song. He begins singing. It's not in English. It's in a different language. Is it a, is it a sea shanty? Yeah, it is. I will uh, leave this poor sailor to his devices. Okay. Um, and I will move past the doorway. Okay. Through the beacon of light. Yep. It's it's uh his uh his spot hidden roll did not go well. It went less than well, and so you pass directly through this beacon of light without any incident and uh can proceed down the stairway. Yep, I head down. Okay. Uh shortly thereafter, getting down into the stairways, it op- it opens up after a hallway or so into um a small amount of bursts, which seem to be empty at this point for for people. And then the largest portion is the hold. And there are crates all over the place. Is there anybody down here? It does not seem to be anyone down here. Okay, I will take my hand off of the torch. And I look for that really large crate that I saw first. Mm-hmm. So uh, you see it. It's against the far wall. I'm going to go check out that package. And... I don't really know how they have stuff sorted down here, but Mm -hmm. I'll at least try to find like it and its friends, like whatever, whatever came with it. So like, like what's what's up with the box, I guess. How big is this thing? Well, one close, this one of these boxes, the one you're, when you saw from the outside is this one's about 10 feet tall. Mm, Okay. Uh, It's probably say four or five feet wide. I mean, it's not impossible to get into, um, but it is sealed at the moment. I'm leaving that one be, because um, I know that there are others. There are. There's a lot of smaller boxes that you could get into as well that seem to be clustered near this same uh, area of the hold. Are they labeled? Yep. So are you going to go around and read labels? Well, I'm, I'm at least going to see like what they have. And I will look at one of the smaller ones. Are they all are they all packaged the same? Like, is it just packing crates? Go ahead and give me a um, spot hidden roll sure. just for clarity's sake. That is a fifty out of fifty-five. That's a success. A lot of them are labeled Cairo Museum, Egypt. Um, but your closer inspection finds that these labels are a little flimsy, actually, and with kind of a, a real simple. You know, look, you can tell that there's another label underneath of it. Right. I'll take my knife out and I'll, I'll snort a little bit <laughs> and <laughs> just kind of try to peel it away. So it peels away and underneath of it, it says Ho Fang, import, export, Kaoyang Street, Shanghai, China. Uh, I will also remove that label and I will, okay. pocket, I will pocket both. So it looks to be that there's about 15 crates in all. Okay. Well, the one I just the one I just took the label from, ideally is one of the smaller ones. I will see about how it wants to show me what's inside it. Okay. I mean, if you're going to open it, yes. then opening it up, you see what appears to be uh, about a foot long. 
Are these things resealable, by the way, or are they like pry bar? Like I have these. No, no, no. They're they're resealable. Okay. It's not impossible for you to, to seal them back up. Uh, so there's a a blade in it. It's about a foot long. It's very wavy. It looks like it's corroded a little bit, maybe with age. It's hard to tell. A blade, you said? Yeah, a blade. It is old, yes. But you can see that the the blade is maybe a little corroded with age. Again, a little hard to tell down here in the lighting. You see that they're on the blade. It's got several strange symbols that have been engraved on it. Mm -hmm. And they go the length of the blade itself. You can also see that uh, on the butt end or on the handle end of the knife, there is a very pronounced serpent head. Okay. Um, So I will, I'm not going to, how is it? Like, is it laid in, what is it packed in? I guess. Like on a bed, it's pa- it's packed in a bed like a hay. Okay, and then um, there doesn't seem to be an accompanying sheath for it per se. So I will uh, go into my messenger bag and take out my pad and my charcoal. Okay, and I'm going to try to get a rubbing of the basically of the the side of it that I can sure. It's like raised or embossed or what have you. Yeah, not hard to do. That's fairly quick enough to do. Are you going to continue looking through packages? Yeah, I, I seal it up immediately, um, and I will move on to. Again, like I don't the the really big one is scary. Like I'm not I'm not looking at opening whatever is in that. There's one that's a little smaller than that. That's next to it. Okay. Um, it seems to be a rectangle rectangular package. It's standing up on end, uh, and it's got several basically uh, shipping clamps that keep it shut. Does it open from like the side, the top? It opens from the side. Okay. Actually, more the front, technically. Oh, so it like falls down, like it? No, no, no. So like it opens like a closet door. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. If I don't think I'll have a problem getting it closed, I'll give myself a pause and make sure I'm, you know, make. I don't want to get made down here. Um, keeping my light low. Jack, give me a spot roll. That would be uh, extreme success. I see that. Seven out of ninety-two. I love you, Jack. From from up the street, you begin watching a very um, deliberate delivery van, and you see on the side of it it says Ferris and Sons, and it it piques your memory because you remember that um, Simone had said something about Ferris and Sons delivery, and that van, that moving van begins to pull right up in front of the warehouse. The warehouse, huh? Yep. What? So, Simone, you open this package, this rectangular crate, and after a little bit of fishing around in the hay, you see that there is a large statue of an Egyptian pharaoh in it. You can see that the statue is carved from some of the richest obsidian you've ever seen. Uh, But the strange thing about this pharaoh statue is that at its mouth uh, you don't see the broad lips of an Egyptian pharaoh you see a collection of what look like squirming worms there, is it moving? no, no nope. <laughs> squirming worms it's like, why are these because that's the way they've been intricately chiseled oh, okay and yeah. it quite frankly here in just the torchlight, it's rather unnerving to be around. I believe you. Well, 
Let's see if your sanity does. Ah, okay. Yeah, that's creepy and kooky. Did they just move? Maybe they moved. Maybe they moved. Extreme success, 5 out of 72. Is that good or bad? I don't know. That's good. Okay. Congratulations. Nice. It's really unnerving, and you think it's probably best that you close this box. But, but first, I'm going to not look at it while I get a rubbing of that. Yeah, that, uh, oh, oh, yeah, that's weird. Real, real quick, real quick, just. You get one. Okay. <sighs> um, yeah, I, I, right, right away. Snap, 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 snap. <laughs> Make me a listen roll. What if I don't want to? But you do. It's a hard success, 17 over 63. You hear the brakes of a heavy truck. Okay. So I think to myself, I watch them load and unload a bunch of stuff. How much time do I have? Less than a minute. The first thing they're going to do is men from inside the warehouse will come out. They will come to the deck of the ship. They will open the hold, which will expose you immediately. Okay. You need to find a porthole, probably. Right. So my second question is, how big is the smallest package? How big is the smallest package? There's a package that is a shoebox. Really? Yep. I grab it. Okay. And I look for an exit. There's one. It's a porthole. <laughs> so it's, it's back It's back in, back in the river. Yep. Back in the Thames for you. Oh... I will uh, hold my breath and let's go. Okay. So are you going to attempt to do that quietly? Yes. Okay. So stealth? I was thinking I would scream first and uh, (laughs) scream my battle cry as I dive out the porthole. Yep. That is a hard success, 32 out of 75. You slip out into the water. Oh, God, that's cold. was not ready for this again. Jack, you get to see all of this play out from the truck end. You see how they open the warehouse. You watch how the people begin to come out of the warehouse. You also see that the warehouse has quite a few things in it. Hmm. I thought uh, Simone said that that uh, all the stuff would be on the ship. Yeah, that does not seem to be the case. Hmm. Right. Well, I am going to watch this with Simone's binoculars. Every last little bit of it. Even getting your binoculars in there, since the warehouse is lit up a little bit, there's there's quite a few things in there. It, it piques your interest a little bit because you know that um, if there's anything illicit going on in there, boy, you got to believe Inspector Barrington would really like to know about that. Yeah. So I'm going to watch until they're done. Yeah, you watch them move a couple of larger crates out of this Ferris and Sons truck. You see them begin to move some of the other warehouse, uh, uh, the other crates that are on uh, the warehouse deck uh, back onto the ship. And then you see what looks to be maybe the captain of the ship. He's a little, well, he's loud. And it looks like maybe he's had a bit to drink. He's my favorite. (laughs) Simone, you get out of the water a little ways down and the cold February night in London grips your heart and I'm going to ask you to make a con roll that is a 66 I will spend one luck to make it a success to, 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 to get through I just need to get back there without 
screwing up. So I will spend one luck to make it a 65 out of 65. I will barely make it. Okay. And you're going to go back to the scaffolding after this? Uh, yes. I will head back and shivering and gripping a small box. I will pull myself back onto the scaffolding. I'll put uh, his overcoat on him. Okay. Kind of yeah, like shiver and nod. Am I shivering? Am I nodding? It's a both. He's shaking. <laughs> it's both. He is shaking. And the two of you are going to head somewhere warmer, I imagine? Yes, I'm going to uh, bring Jack to my home because it's close by. Okay. And I will, my, holding my coat real, real close and asking Jack to carry both the shoebox and my briefcase, I'm going to punch <laughs> over walk home. Okay, I'm going to get that box you brought too. Yeah. Uh-huh. Are you going to open it up? Um, not till we get I am. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, he's going to pop it while we're walking. It's fine. Um, so inside is something rather ghastly. You see what appear to be two very um, almost perfect in a sick way. Perfect representations of human feet. But they're not they're not they're not the flesh and the bone and the sinew and blood and whatnot. What you find are two the skin of two human feet. They appear to be durable, pliable. Both feet are imp- uh, impaled onto a brass ring. It almost looks like some sort of nightmarish key ring that a giant might wield. <laughs> it's got a lucky human foot on it. And because the both of you are who you are, neither one of you have to make sand rolls at that. I'm not looking. I'm walking in front of Jack. <laughs> <laughs> He's got, so whatever noise he makes I'm just gonna like I'm just thinking about my bed is there any writing on either the ring or the feet and there are some engraving portions on this ring and uh, you have no idea what they mean but there are definitely symbols on it oh poor Maeve's gonna have to look at this pardon I'll turn around and like Take a peek. Oh, look, feet. You know, I think maybe we can just take an engrave, uh, a rubbing of these these engravings, and not uh, bother her with the whole thing. Maybe that uh, that sounds fine. But uh, where do we keep the feet? (laughs) I think that is a great time to end this session. So we'll see you next week when we get a handle on what's afoot. So thank you so much for joining us and, uh, and listening. We greatly appreciate it. And uh, everyone have a good night.